Amen. Well, good morning, Friendship Church. We are in week number two of a two-week look at the gifts of the Spirit. Many gifts, one Spirit. So if you missed last week, go back and watch last week. These two sermons go together. Uh, as we look at many gifts, one Spirit. These gifts of the Spirit are found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, and Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, if you want to look at those in, in list form, what he talks about. Um, and he gave us uh, the Holy, these, these many gifts, many gifts come from one Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit gave these gifts to us for a couple of reasons. To glorify God, to build up the body, to save the lost, and to meet human need. And so as we go out and we operate in our gifts, those are the things that we are to do. Glorify God, build up the body, save the lost, and meet human need. Um, Last week we talked about how that everyone has a gift of the Spirit. Did you pray this week to find out what your gift of the Spirit was, in case you didn't know? I hope that you did, because you have a gift of the Spirit. We also learned that the gifts of the Spirit are not the fruits of the Spirit. Those are different things. And one of the main differences there is that Christian maturity or maturity in Christ is not found in the gifts of the Spirit. They are found in the fruit of the Spirit. Because in the fruit of the Spirit is when we grow in our love for other people and our self-control when it comes to sin or goodness dealing with people, these types of things. The gift of the Spirit is just, it's a gift. And we give it and we operate in it. Um, so we want to operate in those gifts in the maturity that is growing in us in the fruit of the Spirit. Amen? Amen. Okay. And so the main point that we talked about last week is that we need to have the right spirit or the right heart when it comes to these spiritual gifts. We need to have the right spirit. We need to have the right heart. We, the, the word that I used last week was humbly. That when we come before the Lord, and when we come to church, and we go out to operate in the gifts, um, that there is a humble spirit about us. Now, Paul speaks uh, of the gifts of the spirit, like I said, in 1 Corinthians 12. Also in 13, and then today we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 14. If you want to turn in your Bibles there, if not, we have it on the screen. I'll get there in just a minute. But in 1 Corinthians 14, he pinpoints specifically a few gifts of the Spirit for instruction. If you remember, the gifts of the Spirit were a new thing back then. Things were, were going on and people didn't know what, what was happening. And so there needed to be some instruction on the gifts of the Spirit. And so he spends a whole chapter on a couple of these gifts, uh, mostly manifestation gifts, tongues and interpretation, and prophecy. So we're going to talk about those here today. Um, and so, but, but it is for instruction, just like many things in the Bible, it's for instruction, whether it's gifts of the Spirit or how we live or sin or treat each other, there's instruction there, okay? So now I've seen, I've grown up in Pentecost all my life, Assemblies of God all my life, which is where we're coming from in this. Um, I've seen both extremes. I've seen the extreme of going to a church where, especially the manifestation gifts, were not happening at all during service. There was no prophecy or word of uh, knowledge or word of wisdom or, or word of uh, or faith or anything like that. None of those things were happening in a church service. Um, but then I've also been to a church service on the other side of the extreme, where let's just be honest, some weird stuff was going on. Okay? And typically, whenever non-Pentecostal people talk about Pentecostals, they find like the weirdest things going on 
and say, well, that's what Pentecost is. Like, we're not barking dogs in service, okay? So let, that's, not, that's not what we're doing here, okay? So, now I've seen both extremes. Obviously, we're going to be somewhere there in the middle. Um, and how do we find that middle? How do we interpret it? Well, we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14. That helps us. And so, the reason why he's pointing this out is because, listen, like we said last week, sometimes we miss it. We're humans, right? Even in the Spirit, we can miss it because we're humans. And so we talk about it, and then we go, all right, well, we'll get them again next time. We missed it on that one. It's not that we have a bad spirit. It's not that we're, we're going against the Word of God. We're trying. We just missed it, and we're going we're gonna to do it again. And so what he's wanting to do, or these are good people just wanting to be used by God. That's what I would say. The many times we're just good people wanting to be used by God, and sometimes we need uh, instruction on how to be used by God. So when it comes to these things, we need to know that we want to be a biblical church. Amen? We want to be a biblical church. Everything we do is biblical. And many times our, our traditions and the way we do things and our feelings, we want those to go parallel. We want those to go right in line with each other. But sometimes our traditions or our feelings or how we feel about something, they intersect or they go or they strike against what Scripture says. And so when that happens, traditions and our feelings and what we think need to fall to the side in lieu of Scripture. Correct? Now, we say that until we start talking about our traditions and our feelings. <laughs> like, everybody wants to be biblical until you're messing with our stuff, okay? But now, that's what Paul is talking about here. And it's not, again, that we are trying to go against the Word of God. Sometimes they're just kind of a fading away. And, you know, we started in this way, and, and we, we fade away a little bit. And then when we look at Scripture again, we go, oh, okay, I need to get kind of back in line here just a little bit. That's okay. Again, we're human. We're going to make mistakes. That's fine. There's correction or instruction in Scripture that brings us back in line with God. And so that's what we're looking at. So let's look um, at these gifts. And the reason why I think he, he pinpoints these gifts is because many of the gifts of the Spirit can happen and should happen outside the church service, outside these four walls, right? We should be go out. We should go out and there can be healings in the marketplace and word of knowledge in the marketplace and with each other and talking together. Those things can happen and should happen outside the church service. Typically, tongues and interpretation are not going to happen in HEB. Okay? Typically, tongues and interpretation are going to happen in a church service. And so that's another reason why I think he's talking about this. Because we don't want to interrupt what the Spirit is doing by trying to figure out what the Spirit is doing. Does that make sense? So like we're trying to figure out these gifts of the Spirit, but we also don't want to stop the Spirit, what's going on somewhere else. And so, again, he brings some instructions. So let's talk, what is exactly this tongues and interpretation? And so and you're going to have to forgive me just a little bit, because not everybody in the room grew up Pentecostal or Assemblies of God or those watching online, they didn't grow up in this. So a couple things are going to be very elementary to some of you, but some of you, it, you didn't grow up in this, and so you need to know that. So give me just a second here, okay? Tongues interpretation. There's three kinds of tongues, okay? There's private tongue, and then there's corporate tongue, and then inside the corporate, there's two offshoots, okay? So first of all, uh, our, our private tongue, when we speak in tongues, we're filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we begin to speak in other tongues, that is a prayer language. 
And that is a prayer language between us and God. And we don't know what we're saying. We just know that there's a connection between the Lord and us. We know the syllables that we're saying, um, but we don't know the language because it's a heavenly language. And so that when we speak in tongues, that is, uh, that is private between us and God. That can happen in church, obviously. But that happens uh, at our prayer closet. You can speak in tongues when you're driving in your car. Please look at the road when you're doing that, okay? But that can happen in your private time. Now, what Paul's about to talk about in 1 Corinthians 14, he is not talking about that tongues, okay? He sort of is in two verses, which I'll, which I'll bring up. But the chapter is not about our private speaking in tongues. It's about the corporate tongues over here. So there's two of these in corporate Number one, or I guess number two, but that's one, this is two. Um, There are uh, tongues when the church is speaking in tongues together. And sometimes you'll see this led from the pulpit, everyone speaking your heavenly language, you know. Uh, But that's when many people are speaking in tongues and, and things are going on. That, according to 1 Corinthians 14, actually is proof to non believers. That kind of tongues, when we're all speaking in tongues, Yes, that is a connection with the church from us to God, but that's also um, proof to non-believers that we are set apart and unto God. 1 Corinthians 14 talks about that. So, there, that's where many of us are speaking in tongues. Then we have this third time of tongues, which is when the service is interrupted, if you want to say it like that, that, that where the service stops and there is a person who by the leading of the Holy Spirit, speaks in, uh, in tongues, in their prayer language, but it is in tongues, for then it to be interpreted after that. Not translated, okay, because it's a heavenly language, so it's not a translation, but it's an interpretation that happens. That happens in this uh, church. It happened last week, and I thought it was spot on. It was right on. Um. So that's the three types of tongues. You've got a personal, personal tongue, you've got where everybody's speaking and it's assigned to non-believers, and then you have this other where there's a speaker and then there is an interpretation. Now, again, for those who didn't grow up in Pentecost, um, we do not put tongues interpretation in our order of service, okay? It's something that's impromptu. It's not like we go, okay, let's sing three songs and then we'll have a ter- tongues interpretation and then we'll sing that fourth song, okay? That, that's not in our schedule, Okay, I, I know that we laugh, but I, I'm just making sure everybody's on the same page here, okay? There is so, some level of impromptuness uh, about that um, that happens in our service, okay? So we don't schedule that out, okay? Now, the interpretation that happens after uh, the times can be a number of things. It could be a word of prophecy. It could be a word of knowledge. It could be a word of wisdom, even a word encouragement, which we'll get to more when we get in, into it, but just so we have kind of a, a base layer understanding, prophecy, when we tend to think of prophecy, the first thing that comes to our mind is, you know, in a thousand years, this is going to happen. Prophecy, like many other words, has several definitions, and the simplest definition, biblical, biblical definition, in 1 Samuel chapter 9, prophets were called seers. So, A prophet is someone who sees an individual, a circumstance, or the world through the eyes of God and then speaks to it, okay? That's that's the simplest definition, if you will, okay? Someone who sees a person, a situation, or or the world 
through the eyes of God and then speaks to it. And so we want to hear that. There is some prophecy that is done every single Sunday morning during the sermon. There is prophecy that happens there. There's also the, the, the gifts can be used in that as well. Okay, So that's kind of what we're talking about. Hopefully we have a little base layer going forward um, of what we're talking about. And after that big long introduction, let's get into the scripture. Okay, uh, So we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 14, but let me, let me just mention in 1 Corinthians 12 real quick, just a, a couple of verses here that kind of sets it up even further. Uh, so 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27, it says this, Now you... You are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. Now, I know in 2023, everyone wants equality. (laughs) Okay. Okay, But in some things, there are a higher gift. And by higher, it doesn't necessarily better in terms of if you, are, if you perform in this gift, then you're a better Christian than the person who performs in this gift. That's not what it's, that's saying. But that there is more attention to it. How many of you clean your garage every two or three days? Anybody? Anybody? I mean, I'm, I'm actually asking now. Okay, two or three days? No? Okay. Uh, how many of you clean your kitchen probably every two or three days at least? Something like that, okay? I would hope so. Food everywhere, okay, there's stuff going on. Now, the kitchen is not necessarily greater than the garage, okay, but there's more attention put to it. Both rooms are a part of the house and are needed in the house and have a specific function for the house, but there is more uh, attention put to another. Not greater as in better, more attention to. Does that analogy help? So, uh, so we want every room in the house to be used in its function, in its way, okay? Um, now I'm going to show my Arkansas-ness a little bit. I'm from Arkansas unapologetically, okay? <laughs> All right. And so what what used to happen, what we used to say, I remember this growing up, you would ask someone, how was church on Sunday? And they would say, it was great. The preacher didn't even get to preach. Have you heard that before? Anybody, is that, is that, that's not just an Arkansas thing, that's a South Texas thing as well? Okay. Service was great. The preacher didn't even get to preach. <laughs> okay. I, I know what you mean. I, I, I know what you're, what you're trying to say. There was a worship service going on, and it was really good, and it got longer, and then maybe there was tongues interpretation or some other gift that was given, and then we just got to pray in, and things were happening, and all of a sudden, well, it's 1230. Sorry, preacher, you can't preach. Okay? I, <laughs> amen. <laughs> I take that personally, buddy. I understand what we meant. We were in the presence of the Lord, and it felt good, and it was great, and we loved it, and it was wonderful. Now, the Word of God needs to be preached in every single service, okay? It's the Word of God that changes us, not an experience or some feel-goods. Experience and feel-good is good, but it's the Word of God that changes us. 
And what was happening in 1 Corinthians 14 is they were getting some feel-goods because there was a bunch of people speaking in tongues, but no one knew what was going on. And the service ran long, and the preacher didn't even get to preach. Okay? They, the tongues and interpretation and all these gifts are good and proper in their proper proportion, but the Word of God needs to be spoken when we come to church. That's what changes us. And that's kind of the tone of what Paul is talking about here, and you'll see as we read through this, um, is that we want more than just feel good. In fact, uh, out of that, there came some sermons, a lot of preachers that, used to, that, that would talk about, we don't want just an experience, I don't want just a feel good, I want to come and get a real touch of the Lord, right? Now that's, that's 80s, 90s Pentecostal preaching right there, okay? We don't come to just get feel good, we come to get the Word of God, right? Well, those two things never went together right. It was so good, the preacher didn't even get to preach. And we want the Word of God. Well, th- those don't mesh, okay? Something's got to happen. So we've got to look at what is the proper way to use the gifts. Enter 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and he helps us with this, all right? So here we go, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. And I'm not going to read all 40 verses. There's a lot of them, but you can go home and read them later. I'm going to skip a little bit. He gets a little redundant on some things. But I'm going to hit... Most of them here. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. Pursue love. Remember, 1 Corinthians 13 was the love chapter. So all these gifts that we're going to use, if you're not going to do it in love, you're a clanging symbol, you're nothing. Remember? So operate in the gifts, but if you're not going to do it in the fruit of the Spirit, then we might take away the gifts. We're not going to do that, okay? We operate in the fruit of the Spirit. So pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So from the get-go, there's some sort of hierarchy here where when we come together, we need to be able to see us as individuals, our circumstances, and the world through the eyes of God and hear a word that speaks to that. So that has to happen when we come to church, okay? When we come to church, we've got to hear prophecy. Verse 2, for one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding, their encouragement, and their consolation or comfort. Okay? So when you speak in tongues, that, that's great. You get some feel good, but no one knows what you're talking about. But those who speak or prophesy or speak in the tongue that's of that day, who you're talking to, all right, now we're speaking to people, and that changes our hearts. Then we get... To be built up, we get encouraged, and we get comfort. So we can't, if there's, if there's a, uh, an interpretation or if there's a word from the Lord, from the speaker, uh, that is, that is uh, how would I say, that, that is mean, that is not of the Lord. That's not upbuilding, that's not encouragement, and that's not comfort as well. So we have to remember that those three things are going to happen whenever we speak the Word of God. Verse 4, the one who speaks in the tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you, in case you're you're wondering, maybe Paul's against tongues. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. You see, we need both, but there's a certain proportion that we give one, right? want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies oh boy, is greater than the one who speaks in tongues 
unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Again, the Corinthians, they were in the Spirit, doing things in the Spirit, but no one knew what was going on. And so they, we needed to know what was being said. We needed to hear the word from the Lord. And so he talks about that for the next several verses. Then we'll skip to verse 13. And 13, we really start getting into the instruction part of it, okay? Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he interprets it. Okay? So the person who, if you give a, a message in tongues interpretation... Um, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that they are the one that interprets it. Okay? Now, I know that there are other people that can interpret it in the church, and we will get there. Okay? I'm just telling you what the Scripture is telling us to do first. Okay? So, if you give that tongues, pray that you also give that interpretation. Okay? Because the Lord is speaking to you, you need to be used in that If you're unwilling, notice the word that I say there, if you are unwilling to give the interpretation, then that may be something that you need to hold for yourself and speak in tongues to yourself in that moment, okay? Now, the Spirit can bless you, that's what it just said in verse 5, speaking speaking in tongues can build you up. If you're unwilling to give the interpretation, that's for building up the church as well, okay? Verse 14, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What do I do? I pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my mind. I will will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. What, What is he talking about there? We have full functionality of our brain when this stuff is going on, okay? Um, so when we're praying in the Spirit, we know what's going on. We don't know the actual language, but we know the syllables that are coming out. We know what is happening. When we sing in the Spirit, we know what, what's, we have control of our body. We can lift our hands or not lift our hands. We have control over this. Again, a little caveat for those who have not grown up, Pentecostal, whatever, let me just say this. Speaking in tongues is not God or the Holy Spirit filling our body and we, there's some sort of incantation like it's voodoo or something. And like our eyes roll back in our head. We have no idea what's happening. We just sit back and just stuff comes out. That's not what speaking in tongues is. Okay? The Lord speaks to us what to say. We say the, villo- the syllables. We know the syllables that we're saying. We don't know what the language is. That's a heavenly language. But we say it. We can lift our hands. We can do this. Okay? So even though we are speaking in the Spirit or singing in the Spirit, we're also doing it with our brains, okay? We do this with our brains as well. Verse 18, again, maybe you think Paul's against tongues. Verse 18, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you, <laughs> okay? So now he's talking about all three tongues here. He's talking about personal, he's talking about, okay? I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church... I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. You see, there's proportion there. Tongues is needed, but it's in proportion. And understand what that proportion is. Verse 20, brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. What does that mean? 
When it comes to sin, when God says, don't do this, and we have a reason to do this, no, 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 we're going to have childlike faith, and we're not going to do that. Even though we think it's okay, no, I'm going to trust God, and I'm going to have childlike obedience and faith to God. But when it comes to this stuff, let's, let's use our brains. Let's be mature about this. If everyone is speaking in tongues, no one's built up. No one knows what it's talking about. We want to hear what the Word of God is. We want to hear, and we, that's what changes us. The Word of God is what changes us. And so we need to be mature in our thinking. Skip to verse 26. What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or at most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. So obviously this needs to happen in our church. But what, what I get from this is that there are many people who are going to have this gift. There is not one person in the church that can say, well, I'm the one that gives the interpretation in this church. I'm the one that gives the messages in this church, okay? There are many people who can do that. In fact, that is small church thinking, actually, because if there's only 25 gifts of the Spirit, there's about 25, what you're saying is that the church should be no more than 25 people. And I have this gift, and you have that gift, and that's it. Well, once you get more than 25 people, you're going to start doubling up on gifts, okay? Tripling up on gifts, okay? And so... More than, there's more than one person that can do any gift of the Spirit in the church. Listen, I'm the main teacher of the church. I'm not the only one that teaches in the church. I don't teach the Sunday school classes. Pastor Tommy has preached two, twice in the last three months. Pastor Becky has preached in the church. We have missionaries that come up here. I'm not the only one that preaches or teaches from the pulpit. So there's no one in the church that can say, nope, I'm the one that does this. Okay? Again, we... We handle all of this with humility, right? That we have the right heart, right spirit, and understand that there are sometimes the Lord chooses to use someone else for a time. That has, it may not have nothing to do with you and that God's mad at you. It's just that God's choosing this person to do it as well as you sometimes. Verse uh, 28. But if, okay, here we go. Here we go. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. So if you speak in tongues, but there is no one to interpret, then let them keep silent in church. Now, okay, I had this question when I was a teenager because, and maybe many of you have been a part of this as well, you've seen this before, where someone gives up and they give a message of tongues and we're all waiting for the interpretation. And it has happened before where the interpretation did not come. Now, I asked that question as a teenager. Why does that happen? What was told me, okay, what they told me, what people told me, is that, well, someone in the room had the interpretation. They just didn't have the boldness to speak out. Okay? That's what was told to me. Which I understand in our natural mind, I guess, might make sense. And I guess that from time to time, that has probably happened. Where someone had the interpretation, they just didn't have the boldness to speak out. Or didn't realize it was their turn or what. However, we want to be scriptural. And so what does scripture say? If no one is there to interpret, 
the responsibility is not on this invisible person that we don't know that didn't have the gumption. The responsibility is put on the person who spoke in tongues. And they need to hold off. Okay? The scripture says you need to hold off a couple of weeks, a little bit of time, and maybe you felt something in your spirit, but that was just for you. And I understand that there's an eagerness to be used by God, which is great, and we're not going to throw you out the door if you do it, okay? Um, But the responsibility, according to Scripture, is put on the person who is speaking in tongues to say, you know what, okay, I missed that one. That one was just for me. So I'm going to hold off for a bit, and when that happens, I'm going to speak to myself. Because you can still speak in tongues, and He can still bless you as well. That's according to what the Scripture says, verse 28. Verse 29, let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent, for you can all prophesy one by one so that many may learn and be encouraged. Once again, there's many people that have gifts. But he says, let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. This is a definite difference of teaching on prophecy in the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the Old Testament, when Isaiah said something, that's what was happening, okay? We're not weighing what he said. Isaiah said it, okay? Jeremiah said it. That's what's happening, okay? In the New Testament, in the church, all of us had the ability to weigh what is said. And remember, one of the gifts is discerning of spirits. We're able to look at that and say, okay, that was of God, or that, that wasn't of God, you're not a demon, okay? It wasn't of God, we're just going to hold that for a little bit, okay? We have the ability to do that. And we have, in fact, the responsibility to do that, for us to weigh what is said. And if it's from God, absolutely. I thought last week the tongue's interpretation was spot on. It was right for us. I th- and I think we all weighed that because when it was over, most of us clapped and we were like, amen, Absolutely. And so we kind of weighed what was said and was like, that's right. Verse 32, this is so important. And the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. The spirit of prophets are subject to prophets. Now I've heard this before as well, this church and other churches as well, um, that when I feel something inside, I just have to let it out. It's like a freight train. I can't stop it. It's just got to come. Well, according to Scripture, the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. So we are in control of what happens when it happens, how often it happens. We are in control of that, okay? For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. The best illustration that I have ever seen of this, this was a couple of years ago, we were at a church service, well, it was a church service slash business service, business service, business meeting. Um, we were in the Natchez Valley section, which was in the Silsby Kuntz area, if you've been over there. I was itinerating missionary at the time, and we were meeting together, and they were voting who was going to be in, their, in the se- sectional council, sectional presbyter. And so in the room was only, um, mostly senior pastors, but pastors and missionaries. The only people in the room, okay? And so we were supposed to have just a couple of worship songs and a little devotion, and then we were going to do our business. So during the first worship song, I see a pastor get up and he walks in front of me, and I only noticed it because he walked in front of me, walks in front of me over to Pastor Barker, Tim Barker, who many of you know, 
and begins to speak to him. I don't know what was said. I just saw it happen. We, we finish that song. We sing another song. Then Pastor Barker was to get up and to say his devotion, but he said, uh, my, my brother has come to me. He, he thinks that he has a message from the Lord, but because this isn't an actual church service, he just wanted to make sure that he was not out of order and that he was appro- you know, being appropriate. And so it feels good with my spirit, so I'm going to allow him to speak this message. So, brother, go ahead. And so Scott, Pastor Scott Briggs, he says, it's in tongues. Is that okay? And then Pastor Marcus said, absolutely, go ahead. And so he begins to speak in tongues, and he gives this message in tongues. Then he was the one that gave the interpretation. So he gave the interpretation. And I got to tell you, that was the most authentic tongues interpretation I've ever heard in my life. What he was speaking to was to that body that was there right there. Because what he was talking about in his interpretation was, was encouraging us to be leaders in our church. And he was encouraging us to hold fast to sound doctrine and to teaching. He was speaking to pastors and missionaries that was, that was there. And it was perfect. And it was right on. And it was so much so that I've remembered it. It's now six years later. Seven years later. Something like that. And I thought... That's what I want. Authentic tongues and interpretation. It's not, it's not about do we do it too much or do we not do it enough. What we want is authentic moves of God. And authentic words of wisdom and words of knowledge and all of these manifestation gifts, we want it to be authentic. It's not about how often it ha- does it happen. We just want it to be from God. And I am I'm so thankful that I was there to see that. And listen, when we get in the Spirit, in, in, uh, and which is really what I'm talking about here today, is whenever we get in the Spirit, how do we conduct ourselves? We get in the Spirit and we praise the Lord and we believe that the Lord's going to use us in any way and He can do whatever He wants to in, in the service, but we want to make sure that we're doing it according to Scripture. And so there are, and I've talked with Blake about this, that, that sometimes we sing worship where we are singing really loud and we're all in full voice and cherish the old rugged cross, right? And we just yell it and we're screaming and we, and we love it and we're in the spirit. And then there are some times that it is a soft, sweet presence of the Lord. Both are great. In fact, we experienced that at the end of service last week. The, the altar song was done. But I, did, I was supposed to come up and talk, but I didn't feel like the Lord was done. So I kind of hung back for a minute, and there was just a sweet presence of the Lord, and, and we all felt it, and it was great. I heard some feedback from it that, that, man, that was just a wonderful presence of the Lord. Now, I don't want us to be so Pentecostal that we're like, it's getting a little too quiet in here. Somebody do tongues interpretation, okay? Like, I don't want to just do it just to do it. I want it to be an authentic move of God. And there are some times that, that worship is written or the end of the service is written so that everyone can just sit in the presence of the Lord for a minute. And so I don't want that to be interrupted as well. There was one time I was praying, I was having a great conversation with the Lord, and then there was a tongues interpretation that started, and I thought, should I stop praying and listen to that? What am I supposed to do? I didn't know which one I was supposed to do. I stopped and I listened and it was a good word and that's great. But I, I don't want to 
hinder what the, what the Lord is doing in someone else because we feel the need that, well, it's not really the presence of God unless we do this. That, that's not the case. When we are in the presence of the Lord, it can happen many different ways, and we need to be open to all of the ways that they can be open to. Sometimes that's sitting quietly in the presence of the Lord. Verse 36, this is when he really kind of talks to him a little bit. Or was it from you that the word of God came? Or are you the only ones it has reached? If anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I am writing to you are a command of the Lord. And if anyone does not recognize this, then he is not recognized. Once again, this speaks to the humbleness that we need to approach these spiritual gifts. We want to be biblical in the way that these gifts are manifested in our church services and outside of our church services. So verse 39, in case you were wondering if I was going to read this verse. Yes, I am going to read this verse, okay? So my brothers, earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. I am not forbidding speaking in tongues. But all should be done decently and in order. That there is a proportion to these things. And when we enter the presence of the Lord, we want to all have the ability to be in the presence of the Lord and for Him to speak to us sometimes on an individual level. So a couple of things to look at. Corporate and private tongues are different. Desire prophecy over tongues. Not that tongues doesn't have their place, but we desire prophecy over tongues. May the speaker give the interpretation if they are able to. Many have these gifts. It's not just one. Many have these gifts. In all things, be humble in what the Lord may have for us. There must be order. It's not everybody just do whatever they want to do and just call it in the presence. There's got to be some order to this. And so we look at 1 Corinthians 14. Because, the last thing, this is all done to build up the body. All of this is done to build up the body. And so I want all of the body to have the opportunity to be in the presence of the Lord. I want authentic, authentic moves of the Lord. Moves of the Spirit. Let me read one last verse in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, just so we can all hear this as well. Verse 19. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything and then hold fast to what is good. So none of us, this isn't just up to the preacher, none of us quench the Spirit, do not despise prophecies, but all of us test everything and we're going to hold fast to what is good. Church, I, I, want, I want authentic moves of God. That when it happens in our church, the whole church looks at that and goes, whoa, that was of God. That, that, it, that needed to happen. That needed to, to stop what was going on, and that needed to happen in order. I want, I want that's what I've been praying all week and really for this message for two months, three months now. That we all hear this message in the heart that it is given. That we want authentic moves of the Spirit. Moves of God. We want authenticity. We want it real. We want it real. And then when we come together, we have a real move of the Spirit. So can we stand this morning and we're going to go into 
once again, which we experience move of the Spirit in the sermon, but we also can experience move of the Spirit in worship and in prayer. So we're going to have a time of worship where we sing a song together, and let's worship and let's sing, and you can lift your hands, you can speak in tongues if you would like to, but we worship the Lord. And then after that, we're going to have a, a calm, peaceful sitting in the presence of the Lord. Well, there's not tongues interpretation or whatever, but that all of us can just sit for a moment in the presence of the Lord and have God speak to us individually. And we will just see where the Spirit takes us from there. Okay? That's my heart and my goal, that we have a real move of the Spirit and that all of us have the ability to do that. So, Lord, we pray once again that you are in our presence, or that we are, excuse me, that we are in your presence. We want to be in your presence, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, I just pray as we go and we sing this song and we pray our prayers that there would be a real and authentic move of the Holy Spirit in our service. And that when we leave this place, we will have known that we were in the presence of God. God, be with us this morning. Lord, we thank you for your presence here today. Thank you for the gifts of the Spirit that you've given to us, Lord. Lord, help us all to draw, draw closer and closer to you. Help us to use these gifts that you have given us to glorify God, to build up the church, to see the lost saved, and to meet human need. God, help us, Lord. Bring to us the, the right spirit and the right heart. Help that grow inside of us as we humbly use the gifts that you have given us. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. We need you. We need you, Lord. And I pray that you would help us. Thank you, Lord, for a time in your presence. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Thank you.